Welcome to episode 87 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dabb. And how you doing, buddy? I am hiding in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for, waiting just, for Civil War just to explode. Waiting. Yeah, just waiting. Just waiting. Uh, I don't know what's going to explode. I, I'm just waiting. That's all. So uh, it, yeah, I went. That's right. Uh, so, so it is Wednesday morning uh, when we're recording this. So we are the morning after election day. And uh, we're both kind of glued, as I'm sure everybody is. Everybody's glued to their TVs and computers and uh, waiting with bated breath to see how this is all going to go. Um, by the time you guys listen to this on Friday, I hope that we know. But There's no way. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, there's no way. <laughs> it's, it sounds like Jared State over there, Pennsylvania, is going to make draw this out as long as possible. Well, you know, we uh, we typically don't make any sense here, and uh, our politics are ridiculous. So, yeah, who knows? We're we're like bipolar with voting. That's all I can say. And and last night, a lot of what I was watching, this they were saying it's going to come down to Pennsylvania, but. I, as of right now, what I'm looking at, Biden's sitting at 238 votes. Uh, Nevada, Wisconsin, and Michigan are all leading blue right now with, uh, which Nevada is crazy. Right now, Nevada, is there's an 8,000 vote difference. 8,000. That's only 67% reporting. Um, so there's still a lot to go, but it's so close. I think it might come down to Nevada because right now if Biden gets Michigan, Nevada and Wisconsin, he's got 270. Even if Trump gets Pennsylvania, North Carolina and Georgia, he won't have enough. So uh, I don't know, man, this is, it's going to be, be down to the wire. And then I think there's going to be, I, I think lawyers are suiting up and Pennsylvania is going to have to be dealing with. Yeah. I think there's going to be recounts and it's going to be crazy. Wasn't it during one of, and I, I was very young, well, pretty young, uh, one of George Bush's terms, mm-hmm. I think they had in Florida, like tons of recounts and stuff like that. I kind of vaguely remember that, but yeah, that, that, uh, I think, uh, that's when I ended up going to Supreme court. It, uh, it was like, it took forever. <clears throat> so so I, I have a feeling that we're going to have a, yeah, a, a pretty interesting week. To say the last, uh, to say the least, I mean. But yeah, I'm watching it. I mean, it's it's interesting to me, but it's also, I don't know. So I'm I'm of, not that this whole podcast is gonna be about politics or whatever, but this is what we're on right now because this is this is the, this is the news. This is yeah. what we're in, um, and as business owners, like it or not, especially in the in the gun industry, but heck, any any business owner, anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the politics affect how you do business. And so I'm spinning my head in, and I, I will admit, like I'm not overly concerned about this election per se. I, I am. However, there's reasons that I'm not as far as our business. Um, so I, I think that there's a healthy balance there. I think there's some people that are quite literally, like I was joking at the big beginning that I'm just hiding in a hole somewhere there are people that are, are feeling like that right now that own businesses and are trying to, you know, look through this landscape and, 
you know, if the concern is in the gun world, if, if Biden gets elected, he's been promising to push gun control. And, and like Greg and I were talking at the beginning of the podcast, one person can only do so much, but there is damage that can absolutely be done. Uh, as we've seen in the past with much of the gun control, it usually starts out with something insane where they want to go like all the way to the end of the earth to, right. with this gun control. And what ends up happening is it gets chiseled down and down and down to where something gets passed and it, it, it all, they always pass something and it's, it's never exactly what they wanted, but it's always one step forward. And that's kind of where my concern lies with this is that, and, you know, being such a small business, the forecast is already volatile as you and I know, Greg, and then you throw total curveballs in with unknowns and things we haven't had to deal with within our small business. And, and it's, it's hard to say what the future is going to add, uh, going to present to us, I should say, but yeah. And you know, I'm, uh, I'm not like, I don't lose any sleep last night. I'm not going to lose any sleep tonight or tomorrow night. Um, my, Yes, there's things that, that are going to happen either way this goes that, that I'm not going to like. And I do think, um, just if Biden does what he says he wants to do, that there are going to be things that are going to that hurt our business, especially tax-wise. Um, and uh, But there's only so much that I can do now, you know? Like, I've casted my vote, and I will continue to do the make the best decisions I can for the, for the business. And so it's one of those, you know, I've, I've, I've done, yeah, I've done what I can and all I can do is, uh, is be reactionary to, to what the future holds. And it's not my place to worry about it. Uh, you know, me worrying about the future is not going to change it. So. No, if anything, it just puts the brakes on, on progress and doing what, uh, what we need to do for our business. So I, I'm with you. I, I find it interesting watching this. Yeah. I definitely watched some of the news partly to make fun of it last night, but then also just to, to watch because it is intriguing seeing what the culture of the, you know, what the landscape looks like in our culture. And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I guess we wait and see at this point, like you said, and it will definitely, I mean, depending on who gets elected, it will change kind of what our strategy probably looks like as we learn more. I mean, I think the first year of any new term, um, say Biden gets elected and in his first term, they always make these stupid promises, all these politicians that within 180 days of me getting elected, yeah, no, that never happens. Right. Um, I call bull crap on that. But as we learn more of, you know, what – um, what he would do, then we kind of have an idea of what we need to do as far as our, our businesses. Uh, there's a lot of damage that a president can do to small businesses and things like that. But, you know, there's a lot that we can do as well. So we're just going to pay attention on our team and continue forging forward. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely kind of nerd out about this stuff. I just, it's uh to me, it's exciting just regardless of who wins. It's exciting to watch and see votes come in and see, you know, you have states that are within a th couple thousand votes of, of flipping either way. And 
and uh and this year just with all the mail-in votes that that, that happened that we've not really seen before you know how's that going to affect things and uh no to me it's exciting i i it's cool to live through historical moments to me um even if it's bad you know i think it's it's neat to be present during stuff like that so um yeah uh, we'll we'll see how things go and hopefully by by next week's podcast we'll have uh more information and because yeah I, I doubt by by the time people listen to this on friday that, that, that we're gonna have a clear answer maybe hopefully but probably not it just blows my mind we are in a <laughs> a technology like this is that's what just uh it makes it makes my head spin it's like thinking of there's so many systems that exist that automate people. Like we have facial recognition software that can mm. pull all your info up with the snap of a fingers. And it can do like NSA gathers data at levels that are unprecedented and we can't get mail-in votes to be counted properly or quickly. Right. Like it just, I don't know, <laughs> man, it always blows my mind. No, you're right. It is crazy to think that, that, that the future of the presidency relies on, the U.S. postal system, <laughs> and, so bad, it, and it like so bad. Well, and even I don't know about your polling station, it, which which is crazy. Just talking to the you know to our team here, um, like me and Dusty, our polling places had had the scantron, like we filled in a bubble, and somebody else seriously, yeah, and somebody else <laughs> theirs was digital, like they they pushed they tapped buttons on a screen, and um, so it was just funny that. Yeah, in in this in this day and age, we still have polling locations that were filling that were that were pinning in bubbles and on scantrons. Um, yeah, ours was you know pretty high tech. I'm not gonna lie, our computer systems there looked like they were from 1985. So we're like <laughs> we're a little bit further ahead from the scantron. Maybe maybe the 90s. We'll throw that out there. Yeah. Um, no, ours was ours is pretty bad too, and and it. I don't know, man. It's just weird. It, it blows my mind, the process. Um, I'll tell you what the scariest part, you know, the, the election, and this is about as deep as I'll, I'll go because I'm not an expert. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm scared of some of the policies and things like that that get thrown around. But the biggest thing that I always see is somebody wins by popular vote. And so people start begging for that to be the metric Right. of which we measure the election. And from a quick standpoint, you know, it kind of, I, I, I remember a time in my life where I said, well, why isn't it the popular vote? You know, why did we set that up with the electoral college in our, in our nation? And it does scare me when I start seeing people begging to get rid of the electoral college, because that essentially gives cities in states with high populations, the ability to just completely sway the election well, yeah. the, to where you, you know, state, those small states have literally no say. No. Um, the, the politicians will only have to go to California and, and, and New York. That's it. That's all they would have to cater to the rest of the country. They won't have to worry about because that's right. where, that's, it, that's where the majority of the people are. So, and if you could get, you know, if you could spend, $50 million in California and get a 80% voter turnout with no electoral college, it would be insane. Yeah. It would be absolutely insane. And, 
and you could skip over all the rural areas. You could just hit a couple major cities that have the highest population. Uh, Fiber states would not even, it, it wouldn't be worth their time to no. even look at. It would, yeah. And, and that's, so that's the biggest thing that I, I feel like, yeah, I, everybody listening, if I make a prediction, just ignore it. Cause yeah, I'm not an expert, but that's my, my prediction again is like with Hillary Clinton, when she had the popular vote and Donald Trump had the electoral people were like, oh, well, we need to just go to popular vote. My prediction is that somebody's going to be throwing that around um, possibly unless Biden wins in a landslide. I don't know if, if Trump would, would throw that around. Uh, I, I don't, I don't every, know. Every but, election every year that gets turned into a topic. This isn't new. Like none of this is new. Um, no, but the, the thing that I'm watching is the scales continue to move more and more radical. Like the conversation, the things that are acceptable are more and more radical because I think we have generations getting older and older and older and younger generations coming up through college system and, educational system and things like that, that tend to um, tend to lean very much actually into socialism. And that's where my concern comes in is that not saying that it's a thing, but something that I'm trying to watch is does that change the popular vote conversation and, and, and how they try to chisel away at that? Because that is a goal of more radical folks is to get rid of it so that you can swing an election a lot easier but you know again all you can do is watch yeah it, is the electoral college perfect no but it's not going anywhere either it's uh it's definitely the best way to go and so anyway um yeah that's that's what we're looking at now so i think it's kind of what's on everybody's mind but uh other than that what's what's going on in your world man how to go last? Well, yeah, well, we didn't we didn't talk last week, so how to go with uh with Warrior Poet and John Lovell and stuff? Yeah, it went pretty good. Um, it, it, it was a fun trip. So just laying the landscape out here, we had so we have a couple new hires that we brought on the team. This was the first time that we were all together on a trip because as we've been adding to our team, it's mostly marketing and sales and. We have quite a few members now that are remote in some of them in different states. So all of us together on a road trip, hanging out at an Airbnb, and then learning and talking with John Lovell, uh, it was pretty cool. I, I definitely have a lot of respect for him. I've, I've always liked talking with him, but this was really the first time that I've had one-on-one -on -one time with John and for those of you that, that don't know, we produce a target system that John created. Um, John and Evan brought it to life, did all the initial design work, and then we got to know each other, started talking, and it, it seemed like a good fit. He, uh, he liked our company ethics, our cultural values, and how we do business, and so we decided that we would partner up. And so we've been producing The Raven for about a year and a half, and none of us have really pushed that product very hard. So this trip going down there to Georgia was all about obviously building our relationship, a lot of one-on-one -on -one time talking, learning about each other and, and shooting and having fun. But then also 
to create content so that we can joint market the Raven in a better way and, and hopefully fill a void that I think does exist in steel targets. Um, it's a very unique product and it, it does fill some aspects that we haven't filled yet up to this point with our own line. So it was a good time. We had a lot of good conversations and most people that know John Lovell would probably say that he's definitely, especially on camera, very humble guy and seems to have a lot of wisdom through his videos and just the way he presents. Mm -hmm. And I can attest that he in person is just like that. The, uh, the amount of wisdom that he has is, is pretty wild on pretty much any topic you could come up with. He's got, he's always got something profound that he's able to, uh, you know, give input on. So it, it was cool. I definitely, um, definitely walked away with a lot. I think that's cool. You know, one of the, I used an example, so I don't know if you saw on my Instagram post, I had a picture of me holding my camera and, and John was explaining something to me on the range. I think I posted it up on Keystone carry. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if the context of the conversation matters, but you know, it, it was, so this is the kind of person that John is. And this is what, you know, I respect people like this. So I, I presented something to him and he didn't like it. Um, and just explained, he took the time to say, this is why I don't like that. I know we see that a lot and, and it's cool and all, but this is why I don't like this. And he just went into this whole like theory of why he does what he does the way that he does. Um, and you know, obviously I don't ever take just, well, I shouldn't say ever, but I usually will, um, not just take one person's input and say, okay, that's gospel. I, I think it's smart to come up with our own, you know, listen to people we respect and then, and figure out where we land on our, on our own. But right. to find somebody that is not afraid to just push back on you and say, no, that's not how this is going to be. Um, it's pretty cool, you know, that, that somebody's willing to do that and not in a jerk way. Like, I, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but, um, we talked a lot about the culture in firearms. We talked a lot about training and shooting. Uh, and, and there's a lot that I really respect about what he brings to the table. And, um, so yeah, I think it was, I think it was very productive. And I think that we walked away with, some better ideas of how we're going to move our business forward with the content we produce and all the other stuff. And then we also are going to be, I think a little bit more structured and, and reaching a lot more people with that Raven target, which is a, a big deal. Oh, that's awesome. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the, I feel like lately a lot of our conversations um, internally have been very similar of just trying to figure out, how to better market and how to better, um, especially with the people that we partner with, you know, how do we help them better market um, our products with them and, and, you know, how do we help, help them succeed? And, you know, you know because a lot of times they're swimming in a sea of products. And so, and of course, we care how our product sells through them. 
but they also have to care about all the other products that, because they're probably hearing that from all the, all the other companies that they're working with. So it's gotta be difficult. It's gotta be a difficult thing on their end. Um, just to try to juggle all that. And it can be frustrating on our end when we see, Hey, you know, we have one product, two products with you and, and we'd like to see this do better. Um, you know, to us, it, it, it can get, easy to get caught up in that and not really think about the position that they're in and trying to figure out how to do this with multiple products. But so it, it, it's definitely super beneficial when you actually get to, to work face to face with, with, with people. And that's, that's something we try to do this year. And, and we're trying to talk about how we're going to do that better next year. Um, so one, it's, I, it's one, of, one of the things that is, something that I've really been thinking a lot about lately is as we get into these relationships, it's a partnership. You know, they're obviously, you know, we, we don't have any say in what warrior poet does and warrior poet doesn't have a say in what TA targets does. So it's not like a business partnership where there's joint ownership or anything, but it is a partnership in the fact that we came together on a single product and we both have a goal of, of selling that product. We both believe in it and feel like it fills another role just just like we have multiple target systems with different features and shapes and sizes in our own lineup the raven fills in a different void that we feel like those don't fill but the the key of the partnership and and just like you're saying trying to navigate it is a true partnership has a value exchange on both sides and you know the the gut reaction most people would say is okay, well, both of you, your companies make money off of the product, right? And so that's what the initial thought is. Okay, well, we're both, you know, getting a cut out of a product, cool. But what I've learned is it's so much, it's so much more than that. Just like you're saying, there's a lot of these, uh, these people that we work with that are more of a personality or more of a, um, a personal brand or there's like a figure or someone who would be the talent or subject of the company. And that's kind of what the main product is. Um, and when you think of someone like warrior poet society, you think of John Lovell, he's definitely the face of the business. So guys like him are juggling a million different things. And so something that I've realized to go to your point that you were just saying, one of the things we have the ability to do at TA targets is extremely high quality content. And so part of that is us actually, you know, that exchange of value that I explained there, I was, I was kind of touching on part of the value we can exchange is in our ability to actually create content that other people can use. And that's something that I'm really exploring right now is that we have the team and the ability to show up with the camera gear, help shoot the raw footage distribute the raw footage so that these companies can use it, but then also go back and edit it and make really professional videos. So something that I think we'll do a lot more of in 2021 is hitting with key people that we have partnerships with and exchanging value in that way. Because also, you know, look at, look at influencers, for example, influencers, one of the hardest parts about um, working with an influencer is, consistent content. You know, the shiny new toy is really great when you unbox it and then all of a sudden you have it and it's like, cool, I want to post about it. Well, six months later, nine months later, whatever, it's not a shiny new toy anymore and, and people's lives get busy. So it's, it's hard to keep the, the consistent content rolling. 
But if we show up on the range to some of these closer influencers and we're shooting content, it's a win-win for us where we get the content we want. We help build the relationship with the influencer or the partner. And at the end of the day, everybody wins. So there's, uh, you know, this whole warrior poet thing is kind of our first real entry into doing that at a professional level. So we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, and in the past, you know, when I've gone to events, like I know you guys just had ORD, um, when we went last year and I, I shot all those videos and did little edits for all the people, it, it solidifies the brand. You know, it solidifies the fact that we're more than just steel targets, which obviously steel targets are the bread and butter of what we do. But I also want people to see the capabilities that we have in, um, in media and content and all that. So, so the question, who, who pays for that for, you know, so you guys go and do content for essentially your, you know, what your partner or, or, or dealer, who, who's paying for that, for that time? So it wouldn't be a dealer. Like I wouldn't necessarily go to a dealer and say, Hey, we're going to kick content. Like, again, there has to be a value for value exchange. So take, take uh, someone like Warrior Poet Society. They've got almost a million subscribers on YouTube. Um, I have hundreds of thousands on Instagram across the platforms. So as we've been releasing content, one of the things that happens is they're giving credit to us for creating it. So we're getting a flow back from that. We're also selling a joint product. So we make money on that product. Um, so it, Essentially what's, what's happening is we have to create content no matter what the way TA target sales work and the way we've grown it is very much content based. So we're going to be creating content no matter what. So the, the, the cost there to me is really negligible because if John and I um, and Perry were out doing marketing stuff and it was me on camera, we already planned for that anyway. Now it's okay. We're heading over to Paul black iron gunner. We're going to shoot content with him and give him a week's worth of content, but we're also getting a week's worth of content out of it. So it essentially, to me, the costs are already there. We already have that in our overhead. Um, and we, if it wasn't going to shoot with Warrior Poet Society, it was gonna be on our range. And it would have been two days of content creation anyway. I think that the benefit is you're creating content in multiple outlets that when I'm just doing content for myself, I only reach one, one funnel of people. So it's, it's like when, even now, if I show up at an event, you know, I've gone to a couple different classes. There were some trainers that were here locally. The expectation is that I'll get really awesome content out of going there. And I, and that's just, that, that, that is what it is. Photos, videos. Um, and that's what I want. You know, I want to build, I want to build that understanding that TA has professional grade content coming out whenever we go somewhere. Um, some of its attention, some of its reach, some of its partnerships. There's a lot of reasons for it, but I can tell you we've invested a lot just like you have in, I can't tell you how many outlets and the only one that has ever performed. And this is partially because of our product. So, people listening, I'm not telling you to just go full stop in this. Just keep that in mind. Every product's different. Um, 
it's been the content. Like every, every time it has always been what we've done in content to drive the sales. And so I'm just trying to find the reach and learn from guys who have the reach that I'm trying to obtain. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and I've been learning a lot from you as you've been going through this, cause we have a couple partnerships that we're, that we're in the, um, we're deep in the conversation stage beginning of, of moving, of getting physical product moving on. Um, and we're just trying to figure out uh, just to adding that value proposition to it of trying to figure out, you know, if, cause, cause we can only give up so much margin before it right. doesn't make sense for us to do. So how else can we add value to, to this partnership? And that's where that word partnership really, I feel like we've been using that word a lot lately and trying to figure out, okay, other than just selling you our product and just, okay, here's a product, have fun. You know, what can we do on our end to, <clears throat> to make that more attractive than just margins? And so I, 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 I do think there's something there, like even for dealers to be able to offer, okay, here's our product and here's margin, here's how much you're going to make. But also we create content <clears throat> and we will freely share that content with you to, for you to use. And then, um, and, and maybe even try to figure out somewhere, you know, like in, in contracts and stuff like that, but just try to figure out, okay, <clears throat> if you order, <clears throat> excuse me, if you order so much amount, we will also, you know, create this content for you. Um, yeah. You know, specific to, brand X or whatever. So I, I think there's something there with that. And, um, and just trying to figure out what, what, what makes sense with that. I think is because if I think it would like on a dealer's end, I think they'd be willing to give up some margin if it meant that we're going to help them sell that product. And, um, at least I would. So, yeah. yeah. And you have to just feel out each one and that's, the um the biggest thing that i'll say is is like there is a limitation to it for me so if if we go and shoot all this content and have these awesome edits and and the the value stops at okay we've provided this content and there's no other you know we're not getting any residual from it either with the other people other partners using the content or helping promote the fact that we helped them create the content you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just create free content for people if there isn't an equal value exchange back. And, and typically that's access to their platform. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to gain. And I have no doubt, you know, with the planning behind the scenes that we've been doing for the last six months that we can turn into a powerhouse with our reach, but we're just not there yet. And there's people that are, and I, I would love to just tap into that and make sure that, you know, we're doing our part, but there are limits, you know, there's limits to it. I'm not going to travel to Georgia every three weeks or something, you know, it, it's just, there, there's limitations, but the, uh, man, the name of the game for us has always just been 
how can we have more eyes on the product and the message? And so far I have just not found it. Like it sounds, I don't mean it in a, it's not an arrogance thing either. It's just nobody else is quite as vested in the product as we are because we're the owners of the business. We're the founders and the creators of the product and the mission is ours. So nobody else is going to have quite the amount of skin in the game. I've just not found anybody else that we've worked with yet to create content for us or use their platform that's worked out the way that I've wanted. Um, It's just always been what we've done ourselves. So again, every, everybody's different. Every product's different. You know, I've said it before, steel targets don't have great margins. So that's part of it. Um, You know, there's limitations to what we can do with our selling channels. So we're just trying to make the best call that we can. And if it doesn't work, I'll happily say it won't. <laughs> it didn't <Yeah>. work. <laughs> you know, there's it's the, the question I've been, I've been asking myself, we've had a couple of conversations with, um, with a couple of people that actually, we actually met at, at ORD. Um, who were, who were content makers and, um, and videographers and stuff. And, when I step back and look at what, what we spent this year on, on advertising and I look at one of my goals and plans is to have, have my own in-house person to do videos and photo and, and really step up our, our online, um, I don't know, footprint or whatever, just, you know, you know put out more consistent and better. I mean, to me, cause it's, it's more about consistency obviously quality matters, but right now we don't put out consistent stuff. So we get somebody in here who could, who who could help us create some consistent stuff I think would help us a lot. And so when I look at what I've spent this year on advertising, I look at that and I'm like, I could pay somebody pretty good, even if it's like a part-time thing. Um, you know, you know, so I've been kind of looking for, you know, I've been kind of looking for somebody who maybe has their own, their own company. Cause I don't know that I'm quite ready to hire somebody full time to do this, but if I could find somebody who has their own company doing this and is looking for work, I could give somebody a solid part-time amount of work yeah, um, and pay them, you know, pretty well with that. But that also means pulling from my advertising budget and pulling out of some of the, of the avenues that, that, that we advertise. And, and the thing that you're really paying for with advertising is, is like you said, is access to their, their following. And my biggest concern is that we can make some of the best content, beautiful, rich content to post on YouTube. And here's a problem. All the places that we have to put that, that stuff is against us. Like, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, like Twitter, I don't care where, where, you know, like all, all of the outlets that that we have access to, to freely post that, that content. It's, it's not a guaranteed thing that people are going to see it. And no, and a lot of them won't even let you pay to advertise that stuff. So yeah, and I honestly, is, I honestly have, yeah, I, Anyway, go ahead. It's, you know, it's, it's, so I guess my whole thing is, okay, so if, 
if we get somebody, we make this awesome content, where's it going to go that people are going to see it that I can count on people seeing it? Yeah. Well, part to go back to your advertising, like what I'm thinking of in my brain, the one benefit is if you can unlock and there are people that are, that are doing it. Like mm-hmm. we can, you can see examples of the John Lovells, the Lucas Bodkins, the, the people that have broken that code and you can look at exactly what they're doing. And it's very simple. It's, it's not complex at all. It's just a ton of media. It is a ton of content. And that's like, that is where the stress for me comes in. Cause it's like that you got to have a four or five person team to be doing the level of content that those guys are doing. It just, it takes that many people. So like, that's part of the unlock is having people that are focusing on the trends, hitting the trends, finding those outlets that are new or up and coming and not like the parlors or things like that. Um, there's a lot of other outlets in the gaming world that a lot of people are tapping into, which is proving to be um, good returns from what I can tell from my friends that are doing it. Um, the benefit that I see, although it's very difficult to do it yourself, the benefit is versus advertising. Like if you advertise with somebody and you're on their platform, that's awesome. If it's working, that's phenomenal. So far I haven't gotten anybody to work for us. And again, I think that's our product. It's, it's part of the culture. It's people not knowing about steel targets and and how they work or what they do. So like, again, we have some things pitted against us that I don't think every product is going to have, but the downside is even if I had an advertiser that works, the moment that I cut money going to them, I potentially lose access to the platform. Whereas if I can grow my own platform, even if it's a personal page and it has nothing, you know, it's not quite a company page or or whatever, because there's a lot, there's a lot of different theories around that. And I've seen a lot of that work as well. Um, you know, then, then you have that, platform it's yours you're controlling it and that's maybe i'm a control freak but i just every time i've had somebody else try to speak the message of our targets i've so far been kind of disappointed in the message because it takes a lot more than steel's cool you know shoot steel whatever and it takes so much to get somebody to buy a steel target when they're used to buying a 150 dollars backyard junkyard target so but i'm still learning so i think the dream is to yeah because you know like the guys you that you mentioned there's also a couple other companies that i know of that that don't advertise they just make their own stuff and there's one guy i know that his advertising budget is his travel budget so he's the one that that goes around and meets with dealers and and other content makers and stuff like that. Like that's his advertising budget. And he's the one that goes around and invests that, that the money himself into, into things. And there's part of that, that sounds attractive to me too. Like I would love to be able to like, we work with and know so many awesome people in this industry that, that know our product and love our product and, and we've got relationships with, I would love to partner with them. And I think there's, there's value there. So there's, there's definitely no one way to do, do this. And probably the best answer really is to do all of it. Um, just, but as a company, the size of ours, we can't afford to do all of it and not, I mean, 
not well anyway. Man, that's the problem is the the hardest struggle is when you, you're trying to figure out, especially as you're starting. And honestly, that's what we all, you did it. I did it. We just try things, you know, as we have our budget, we try things and we try to figure out what works and what doesn't. And a lot of times, like we find things that don't work and then you, you try to hone in on what does work. And so where I'm at now versus where we'll be in five years could be totally different too. So it's, you know, I'm, and it depends on so many different things outside of our control, but no matter what, you got to be getting that message out to people about the products. Yeah. So I'll give a quick recap on ORD. Um, one, I missed you being there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It snuck up on me and, yeah. uh, yeah, we, uh, didn't end up doing it. So it was, a uh, it, it was awesome. So this year it was two days long, which definitely, opened up some great possibilities. Um, last year, if you remember, we had one day and it was an early morning to a late night, nonstop, go, go, go. We barely got to leave our booth because we were too busy just you know, running people through because we do a competition shooting in our bay, given the opportunity for people to, to use our product in, in action. And uh, this year, uh, we basically had half, the, we had two half days. So Saturday, we didn't really start till after lunch. We had the morning to kind of set up our bay and then we had time to go mill around and go meet the other, uh, you know, the other companies and stuff like that, which, which was awesome. And even then, even still, I didn't have, I don't really have enough time to go and talk to all of them that I, that I wanted to talk to. Uh, but then we had two, two days and we actually, so last year there were 50 participants this year, there were 60. Which I was a little concerned about having, um, I think I actually worked out to about the same amount of time per group, but we had more people to put through. And so, you know, we adjusted our, our competition to not, uh, we didn't need to bring everybody back for like a finals competition. We, we, we knew at the end of the day who our winner was, which, which the first day we did a team competition. So, um, and, and that was a lot of fun. We did, uh, we did a relay and it was fun to, what, to have these, you know, have these teams work together in a relay together. And then the second day we did head to head, uh, with a top time of the day being the winner. So it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun to have time to do two different things and, and to get out and, and mill around and there, you know, there are some things that, that I definitely dropped the ball on. And honestly, the biggest, the biggest thing I dropped the ball on was content creation. Uh, this was a gold mine. Like where else do I get to drive an hour away and have 60 potential uh, product users? Cause not all of them did. You know, we didn't like make everybody, Oh, you know, in order to do this, you have to use our product. Um, but we had some big names in the, in, in the industry there and to have them, you know, even from across the country, they're, you know, Jared with T1 Con, uh, Conceal and Aaron Sizzle and those guys were, were there and, and to have them, have them there, they're, you know, they're from Utah. So just to have the ability to have all those people in our backyard for two days to make, make content, we really could have done a lot more. 
Um, I got some video, but you know, nothing super fancy and I got some pictures, but nothing super great. You know, we got some stuff. Um, and we were actually, we were supposed to have somebody, I'm not going to throw him under a bus. We were actually supposed to have somebody that was going to come and, and, and do that, but, um, he just, he wasn't able to make the trip. So next year I'm hiring somebody. If I have to pay somebody to be there, it would be worth it. Um, I think we also need to find a better way to get, you know, I hate to make people use our product, but I also don't like they're coming to our booth. I mean, yeah. That's part of the reason that's, why they're, that's kind of the thing. Um, which the, there's communication issues. And this is part of the thing that I talked to the organizers about is like people didn't necessarily know what they were doing are going to be doing coming to our booth. So everybody shows up in full tactical gear, which just annoys me. Um, <laughs> it's fun. Me. It's fun to, to kid up and, and run I'm, around and play with guns, but I get it's fun, but it's, uh, it, it, it annoys me. And again, I get it because I own that stuff too, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get in that soapbox, but we need oh, to, do- we will get on that soapbox someday, Greg, we <laughs> someday. will do it and we will dive into it. It doesn't really matter. Force on a, you. It doesn't really matter on a business podcast. No, but it'd be fun. I'll just, I'll force you as I sit here in my tactical gear. Yeah. Actually, so, I'm just in multi-cam sweatshirt. It's not really a tactical anything. So we need to do a better job of communicating with the attendees of what the expectations are. Um, Cause I was kind of disappointed after the fact. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great time. It was a great time meeting people and the people who did, did try our product, loved it. Um, and we did sell some stuff and it was, it was fine, but I, but I really think we could have done a much better job, but we need help with the organizers to have people come prepared to our bay, how we need them to be prepared. So. Well, an ORD, just looking at kind of the vibe of what it is, like the guys that show up, show up in tactical gear like that, that standard was pretty much set last year. You know what I mean? Just everybody showing up in, in full kit and stuff. And which again, I, I love getting in, like, I love running outer waistband stuff. It It's fun. It's comfortable. Sure. You know, it's faster, whole... it's comfortable. It looks cool. And, you know, but, I, yeah, I get it, but that's not yeah. how we live. Like that's not, that's, that's not a realistic thing. And we're very meet and our company is very realistic that we make products think, for realistic I, situations. And I think that it's just a, like you said, a communication thing. And and the hardest part that I always see with these events is like, as a business attending an event, you have to almost be a pain in the butt about what you need. You know what I mean? Like you almost have to take some of it, into your own hands of kind of forcing their hand to do what you need them to do. Um, Not saying that was ORD, but some of the places that we've gone before where we've set up a range or something or, or attended or whatever, I've had to kind of lay out exactly how it should go, you know, cause there's so many moving pieces. These people that are organizing this stuff aren't just worried about what's happening in one bay. They're, they're trying to set up something that works for everybody, which is very difficult. Yeah. And the, and, and the difficulty, because we could have had 
10 handguns and 10 holsters and 10 neomags and 10 backup mags sitting there on a table and say, okay, everybody take off, take off your army gear and put this stuff on. But that doesn't like, there's, can I, can I say, okay, boomer? That's <laughs> it, it, what it is. Everybody's dressed up <laughs> like they're like, like, like they're heading into world war three. Um, Come on, people. Man, I'm, so, I'm writing down right here. Greg, I'm writing in her notes. Greg mad about everybody in army gear. <laughs> it's so hard not to get on a soapbox about this. Um, but anyway, that's, it was, it was, it was a great time. Um, the, the biggest thing r- really to us is just the relationships that are built there. And, uh, and getting people the opportunity to know us. And because, because that, I mean, over the last five years, it's those relationships that we've made that really have got us where we are just because, you know, even if like, even if Joe comes to the Bay, doesn't really have any interest in, in our products. It's just not what it's not, not the solutions that he needs, but we got along great. And he saw that the products work well and stuff. Then he's got, he has, he has 10 buddies back home and he has a couple hundred followers on his Instagram. And when, when the, when the product comes up in conversation, he can, he can point it, point them to us. Like that's kind of what this is all about. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. I learned some lessons for, for next year. I think I hate to put the cart before the horse here, but I think the plan is next year for it to potentially be a longer, maybe like, like added a at a half day Friday into the mix or something, um, but for it to be open to the public, which as companies is much more attractive than just having sixty people there. There's potential to have five hundred and sixty people there. You know, if uh, it's if, stressful, if, if you kind of make it a well, see, all right. So here's here's what I pitched to uh, uh, to the organizers is. Think of this as like a fair in the fact that you run it as if you want to come in, because I guess you know, he said that he gets a ton of people asking if they can just come watch. Um, so you sell tickets. It's 10 bucks to get in. And once you're in, you can, if you want to come shoot the Neomag Bay, then it's X amount of dollars to do that. Just like if you're going to go and ride rides and, and stuff like that. So, um, if you want to participate, then you can, then you can buy tickets and maybe there's a limit to that too. you know, there's, you know, the first X amount of people have access to, to those, to those bays. Um, and then there are still the, uh, handpicked participants for, for training. Um, like that, that doesn't really change, but I, th- I think you could open it up to, uh, to more people to come and, and, and have access. So just w- w- with as much as, as it cost to, to be there, um, I'll, I'll be honest, like actual dollars spent to dollars earned. It is not, not worth it. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it's more than that. Like you're investing in more than just making money that, that, that weekend. So, but if you can, if you could recoup more of that cash that, that, that weekend, that just makes it more attractive as the, as a dealer, you know? So that, and that goes back to my value for value. And, and that's ultimately why I just left it go this year is I could show up and I, I kind of proved this last year and it's, it's kind of why 
I, I'm not going to do TRD again next, this year. Um, but one thing I was going to say on your point about having bystanders, I think Texas range day is doing that in the spring of 2021. So like that would be a good test bed mm-hmm. for you guys to reach out and see how it went. Um, because that was something they were throwing around again. I can't put words in, in Jack's mouth or, you know, anybody who's planning that, but that, that was a conversation that they had presented to us. Um, ultimately decided I just, I didn't want to do that again, but the thing I always struggle with is I can show up at one of those events and put no product down at all. Like just pay to go bring all my camera gear, bring John and create content for every single person on that range. And our name is in their brain and they're going to be tagging us in the content. Even if there's no product of ours out there, but if they're saying, yo, TA targets made this sick edit and we have 50 people saying that, you know, that reach is phenomenal. And so that that's where I always come back and I struggle is like these events. And again, it comes to our product, like our product for sponsoring events sucks because if there's four bays and they want five targets in each bay or something, you, you know, we end up putting 20 grand on the table just to attend an event that has no sales. Yeah. Um, so 2021, we're going to be doing, I think zero events other than things that I can show up with and run a camera and just, you know, be the content creator. So, so here's, so here's something else that we, so we have seen these last two years of doing this event specifically is in this industry with, with the people that we are looking after um, and, and trying to get to credibility is very important. And in my opinion, you get credibility a lot by um by modeling it and and you know so one of the, 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 there's a big reason why we create videos of us shooting and we share videos of us at training events because it means a lot to people to know that we know what we're doing Right. And that we is extremely in, important. And we, that, that, that we are sh- like one of the coolest things that I see, and this isn't like a pump up my, my ego type thing to me, it's, it, it validates the, the work that we're doing. But I, I, I see a lot of when, when a conversation comes up about Neomag, there's always somebody that says, and those guys are shooters. Like those guys know what they're doing. When we show up to ORD and we have put together a good shooting scenario, good shooting competition that's challenging, that is relevant, that shows off our product well. That stuff I see come up in conversations over and over and over again. Um, and for us to put our product in people's hands and people's pockets on their guns, um, and then also allow them to do it like between those two things between getting people hands on at the product but also getting to see us in action and getting to see that we know what we're doing um adds a lot of validation like we're not just some company that just that has no idea what we're doing is in, in, in industry we just make stuff to sell um 
you know, you know, companies get a bad rap on that. So, oh yeah, it's, it's like when you see the gun company that for some reason, the owner jumps out and says, tries to do a video and whatever. And it's very clear that they have no idea what they're doing with a firearm. You know, you're not going to look at that product and say, Oh, that guy obviously knows the needs of the industry. You know, if you have no idea what you're doing, how, you know what I mean? Like Greg, if you had no background and, and no, you didn't have years of shooting and taking courses and stuff like that, things like your sling, the sentry strap, like people might not say, Hey, that makes sense. How he came up with that. That has a legit purpose. But the fact that you guys saw a problem because of things that you've done in your own experiences and they can showcase it well is why you'll get credibility of that. And I think about that a lot. So I hundred percent million percent agree with that, that, you know, it's like when we have SWAT teams and stuff come out to our range to shoot and I can show up with my rifle um, or any of the police departments that shoot with us and just ask the chief, Hey, can I shoot with you guys? And I can jump right in and run with them. That's, yeah. that is extremely important. I'm not trying to build an ego. I'm trying to say, I am invested in this industry. I'm invested in this skill set. My company believes that we need to be building up protectors in our communities. And I'm one of them that is on that same exact journey. And if you can do that, oh man, that is so valuable. And, and so yeah, to I, me, that's the value of going to these events is getting our feet on the ground, get, getting shoulder to shoulder with people um, and, and getting our product in front of people. It honestly, if, if, if I, if it made sense, if there were enough events to go to and I had the ability to go to events, I would, pull out i probably pull money out of some of my online advertising and put it into going to events um and i i, I think it'd be worth it so it definitely depends on your product and stuff and i understand for you guys the the, the the cost of shipping steel um alone may make it not worth going to events um but if it's any more than that like because it because i will say from from my standpoint, I thought last year you guys being there with your steel there um, and one of your competitors being there and they're still being there, people walked away from that last year with with TA targets on their mind. Oh, I, this, year, this year I probably had 20 messages of people that said, man, wish you guys would have had your steel there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but and we and did. I, and, and, and that's why I, I think um, with – with you guys not being there this year, my two senses, it said that it sent a message that this event and 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 you guys aren't weren't worth coming back for. I mean, I kind of like not just being real. That that's the truth. That's the reality of what was required for us to attend this year was too much, and and that's it came down to a dollars and cents thing. It wasn't like yeah. an emotional, I, I think you guys are doing something dumb. That's not worth it. Yeah. The fact is I would have had to put out probably around 20 grand just to attend. Right. And it just, we didn't have it this year with COVID with all the uncertainties, with all this other crap going on and the other investments we're making, it just wasn't possible. Not saying that we would say no next year, maybe we'll be in a different position. Um, yeah. 
it just it just didn't make it didn't make financial sense for us at this point. Right. Um, no, it, and I get that. I, I, those are just things I'm always thinking about is, is like when I go to an event, if I don't go back, um, that, that is going to send a message. So what message is that sending? And, um, you know, I, I will usually talk to the organizer and say, listen, it, it, it just doesn't make financial sense for us to come back the same way we did last year. Is there another way that we can get, that we can be involved? Like, even if it's just, Hey, if we send you a banner and pay you 500 bucks, we hang, you know, we hang this banner in the bay. Just, you know, something to, to show that we don't, that we don't think this is completely worthless. Um, it doesn't make sense to come back how we did. You know, what can we do now? Those are usually some of the, the, the things I try to figure out, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what next year will look like, but at this point we're, our budget, what we're allocating is going to be heavily in team investment. So it, it might be, you know, 2021 may have very few um, events because there's strategic hires that are looming. So we'll, things change so fast and I, I try to be predictable, but it's not. Yeah. It's hard to do. And, and, and again, like we had to make, you know, you and I had to make a decision like early this spring, right when COVID stuff was popping off, um, you know, you know, we had to choose then if we we're going to decide to do this event or not and spend that money or not. And at that time, things were were very un, unsure and shaky. So I, I know for me, there were a couple of events that I that I uh, I backed out on at, at that time. That I kind of wish now that I would have I would have stuck with, but. Uh, but it's hard yeah. to make those decisions sometimes, and and because because you don't know what your, what your situation is going to look like six months from now. I don't know what it's going to look like next week on Wednesday. Nope. Let alone next year. <laughs> nope, no yeah, we're just trying to, you know, the the name of the game for me next year, really, um, in the company, is honing in on some of the things that we're really good at, and really, really pushing into those hard, the things that I know have worked for us. And again, these are things that worked for us for what we're doing may not work for everybody that's listening to the podcast, but just now that we have data pushing into the data points that we have and reinvesting, um, and then just profitability, that is everything next year for me is just efficiencies, um, you know, really, really honing in on the business itself because of how uncertain this year was and because of how uncertain the future is. Um, it's changing how I look at the business and what I'm, you know, what my goals are with it. And I know it is as well for my business partners. So not sure what that looks like. We're still working through that now, but um, we do also, I have an equipment and part of it is like, if I can stop spending 20 grand on events, I'm going to buy some equipment mm -hmm. in 2021 that I think would push the company far further forward with some product ideas that I have. I just don't have, I don't have the equipment and the equipment's not that expensive and it's something that I've always wanted to have access to. So we'll see. I mean, we already have new equipment coming in in December, so some of it will get started, but yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's business. It's fun. It's scary. 
it's addicting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think we're gonna have time for icebreak today. I need to get I need to go and my phone's blowing up. But uh, and also I couldn't really find a great question. So if anybody oh, has a suggestion for a question, let us know for next week. That'd be cool. Awesome, man. Everyone, right, well, you have a good week, and yeah. we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Yeah.